Welcome to Follow the Data. I'm your host, Katherine Oliver. For as long as I can remember, movies and filmmaking have been a significant part of my life. I remember one of the first films I watched as a child, Midnight Cowboy. Oh, then there was Breakfast at Tiffany's, When Harry Met Sally, The Godfather, Do the Right Thing. Ugh, the list goes on and on. I was so proud to serve as commissioner of the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment in New York City from 2002 to 2013. That was when Mike Bloomberg was mayor of the city of New York. And during that time, New York's film and television industry saw its strongest growth in history, and it had a major effect on the city's comeback after 9-11. Movies can have such an immense impact on our lives. They can inspire discourse, connection, joy, and discovery. And the impact on and reflection of our society, though not always positive, is a critical part of our culture. To capture the legacy and the history of movie making and to engage future generations, a new cultural institution has opened in the heart of Los Angeles, the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. The museum, of which I'm proud to be a board member, opened its doors in September 2021 with a focus on the history and impacts of the motion picture industry. It's the largest museum in the United States devoted to the arts, sciences, and artists of movie making. Ahead of this year's Academy Awards, which will mark the 94th ceremony since its inception in 1929, I sit down with the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures director and president, Bill Kramer, and its chief artistic and programming officer, Jacqueline Stewart. They give us an insight on their global approach to curating the museum, how they're experimenting with digital technologies with support from Bloomberg Philanthropies, and their exhibits that show just how movies go from, as Jacqueline says, the page to the screen. Without further ado, let's begin. So, Bill, the museum has been open now for a few months, challenging on so many levels to open during the pandemic. First of all, the architecture is jaw-dropping from the outside. And then once inside, you're literally greeted by jaws. (laughs) So it's just the, the visual treats for a visitor are just you know, incredible. What has the initial response been in these few short months to the opening of the museum? Hi, Catherine. Thanks so much for seeing us today and and for that great question. We opened on September 30th to great fanfare, fantastic reviews. We were thrilled with the initial response upon opening. And the response has continued to be incredibly strong. We've passed 400,000 tickets sold in the first four and a half months, and it's exceeding our expectations. So even during this complex time with COVID still around, and obviously we have COVID protocols in place, we're seeing people continuing to attend our screenings and programs and visit our galleries in great numbers And those numbers are only increasing. So we've been absolutely thrilled with the response so far. Bill, what is the mission of the museum? The mission of the museum is to advance the preservation, understanding and celebration of the motion picture industry, the artists, the filmmakers of movie making, but it's also to contextualize our past and to lean into some very difficult conversations about how the industry has been built and how it's treated artists of color, women, LGBTQ artists and and professionals. 
So we're doing both. We're elevating the art and artists of cinema, and we're really confronting some components of our past that uh, people are ready to have very honest conversations about. And there's a lot of whimsy, as I mentioned before, literally the original Jaws is greeting you as you go up and down the escalator, which, right. is, <laughs> is, which is a little unnerving, but uh, <laughs> exciting. So Jacqueline, what kind of stories about the history of the film industry is the museum hoping to tell with the exhibits? Yeah, thanks for that question. I think stories, plural, is really the key to the way that we think about how we approach our exhibitions at the museum. I suppose that many people were expecting that this would be a museum that really would kind of aggrandize a certain vision of how American cinema has led the world or that we would sort of, you know, kind of march through a kind of narrative that took us from the beginning of cinema to now, but we really thought about a different kind of approach, one that is global, one that really looks at film styles as they've developed all around the world. That would help people to see that the movies that they're making now and that they're seeing now have really interesting connections to all kinds of traditions, artistic traditions and cultural traditions. So for us, our core exhibition, Stories of Cinema, is one that invites people not just to walk through a narrative development of filmmaking, but to really think about, oh, how could the filmmaking of Bruce Lee see some connections to the ways that an early black film pioneer named Oscar Michaud was developing his craft? How is it that we can really conceptualize filmmaking as a collaborative process? So it really is about plurality for us and bringing people narratives about filmmaking that are unexpected. So folks come in, they can see the ruby slippers. Of course, we have a very beautiful exhibition focused on the art of movie making and The Wizard of Oz is the first iteration of that exhibition. But as you go into that gallery, you're not only seeing some really familiar iconic objects, you're also learning a tremendous amount about how special effects developed over time and what it really takes for craftspeople to create the costumes that were made for that film and how the film emerged from the page to the screen. So it's like taking a, a kind of horizontal look, but also this vertical kind of deeper look into filmmaking at the same time. It's a challenge, but it's one that I think our curatorial team has always been really excited about and that our visitors are really surprised to see. And then there are the fixed exhibits, but then you've got programs and special programming that will be changing on an ongoing basis. Oh, yes. Yes. We have an incredibly robust program schedule. One of our curators, Jessica Niebel, she puts it so beautifully. We have two theaters, the David Geffen Theater. It's a thousand seat gorgeous theater that can show all types of film prints, including nitrate. And then we have a smaller theater, the Ted Mann Theater, seats 288 people. And it's sort of on the lower level of the museum. She, Jessica describes it as the kind of, you know, it's the foundation of the museum. Showing films in their entirety is incredibly important for a film museum to do. We're narrating across all of our galleries all the different aspects and the crafts and the technologies of filmmaking. We're breaking it down. But then we also have to have a space where people can sit and watch the finished product and really see how all of these elements come together. And that's fundamental to our programming strategy. 
And Bill, you know, you have a, a vision for the museum and you talked about the general mission, but how are you working with Jacqueline and the curators to really consider how you build out the museum's programming and be responsive because you're, you're trying to reach a very wide audience? And I and I just giggle a little because Jacqueline and I are in conversation in real time, on text, on email, on Zoom, in person, all the time. But I have to say a couple of things, and that's a great question. I mean, our curatorial team, our programming team, our publications team, our education team, all led by Jacqueline, are exceptional. I and mean, I think we've done a great job of creating a diverse, engaged, dynamic group of curators and programmers and educators who are really helping us bring our mission to life in a variety of ways that speak to different audiences in different ways. Everyone has a different entry point. Some people love sitting in a theater and watching a film. We all do, actually. But others really love spending five hours in galleries and reading every label. And then you have everybody in between and people who love doing both. And we have publications that you can take with you and our exhibitions live on in perpetuity that way. So we are constantly in conversation about future iterations of our galleries. And we have coming up in a few weeks, a really exciting announcement about the next round of gallery rotations, which are big and dynamic and, and speak to the international nature of what we do and our desire to include all craft areas, to say equity among academy branches and the craft areas of filmmaking is so important to us. And then we're also constantly in conversation about upcoming screenings and programs. We have a great two-month calendar that we issue consistently and we're always looking at what's coming ahead in our theaters and our programs. So it's a constant conversation. We're always iterating and thinking of new ways to bring our mission to life. And, and it's just been thrilling. And I have to say, I, I've never worked with such an incredible team, so willing to roll up their sleeves and get in there and everyone's working so hard. And uh, because the response has been so great, you know, we're realizing that there's a real appetite for this and that's exciting. And that's exciting in this day and age of streaming, which we also love, but people are very eager to come back into a movie theater setting and watch classic films and more current films in a theater setting. The, the response has been rapturous and that's really heartening. How are you managing and striking that balance between using technology on the website to educate people about the museum and offer, continue to offer virtual programming, but then also getting people to come into the museum and then dazzling them. Jacqueline, I think there are, you've been using digital tools like hologram tour guides and other things like that. Talk a little bit about how you strike that balance. Well, we haven't gotten to the holographic tour guides yet. But we have been developing AR experiences in the galleries that are testing out how we can do exactly what you're saying. I don't know that it's a balance. We are really experimenting with so many techniques as a brand new museum. And I just can't stress that enough, a brand new physical space and one that has been so highly anticipated. It's really important for us 
to think about both the past of moving image making and the future. So using these digital technologies is important for us, not just because it's a space where we see ourselves as an active dialogue with contemporary filmmakers about what is the future of the field? How are people engaging with moving images? How can we think about like our screen saturated society? It's beyond the conventional historical ways of watching films. It's about a proliferation of strategies that need to be used in order to really get the attention and have the impact, especially with younger visitors, that's really, really important for us. And then at the same time, we recognize that the work that we're doing can have an impact beyond people who ever get to visit the museum. We all pray this pandemic and its implications become less difficult for public institutions. I mean, it's part of our mandate to really spread the knowledge, the research, the insights that we're gaining through our curatorial processes and through our programming to people who don't physically visit the museum. So making sure that we're documenting our programs, creating interactivity in our programs, sharing our collections through a kind of virtual museum that we're creating for our website. All of that is really important to reach the audiences that we want to reach. In general, the art of filmmaking has changed considerably thanks to technology. So how we shoot films is changing, how we distribute films is changing, how we consume that content is changing, and layering in the pandemic on top of that, you know, all bets are off. But how do you create, and as part of your programming, you're an institution that is having these thoughtful conversations that may be very industry specific. I mean, all of the major studio heads and the streamers are figuring out what is the future of filmmaking? And your institution can be seen as a meeting place, a convening center, both for the industry professionals, but also for the average film buff. So Bill, you know, how does learning about film history inform the future of this industry? And how are you going to tap into all of the experts who are at your fingertips in Hollywood to help tell those stories? It's such an important moment for us to create a space to have these conversations because, you know, as you said, we've been moving in a direction with streaming becoming a much larger part of our lives over the past several years, but the pandemic has sort of stepped on the accelerator. So a couple of things, we deeply believe in the theatrical experience and people are coming to our screenings and programs in droves. And it's been great to see families coming, a lot of young people watching The Cameraman, Buster Keaton's classic in our David Geffen Theater. We're developing new generations of theater goers. But of course, this coexists with the streaming world. Ted Sarandos is the chair of our board. So we think that these worlds can coexist. Streaming is great in so many ways. I mean, uh, emerging artists can have their films seen by so many people so quickly, but there are certain craft areas that when you watch a film on the big screen, you take in the cinematography and the sound design in a different way. So we want to make sure that both can coexist. I do think looking at our history helps to remind people why the theatrical experience is so important. Again, not mutually exclusive. We can coexist with streaming beautifully. 
We want to reach as many audience members as possible. And we do want to be a home and have been a home and will continue to be a home for convenings and discussions around this. We're currently planning a summit that will happen much later this year, towards the end of this year, around this exact topic. And we're so lucky to have a great connectivity to the industry. And we're very lucky to be a part of the Academy where we have access to 10,000 Academy members who are the world's best filmmakers across branch areas. So with access to that brain power and knowledge and talent, we can really create a safe space to have these conversations in a very powerful way. Well, the Oscars are coming up soon, very quickly. So Jacqueline, as we approach that, what sorts of exhibitions or programming do you have planned to capture the annual big event in Hollywood this year and, and, and every year? Oh, great question. Well, a couple things. We have an Academy Awards History Gallery that has two parts. One is a display of Oscar statuettes, and then connected to that is a really spectacular gallery that's a timeline of Oscar ceremonies. And every year we'll be adding important, you know, significant moments in this every year ceremony and significant wins and nominations. So we'll be adding 2022 to that gallery. We also have Academy Awards speeches. Everyone loves to fantasize about what their speech would be. We, we have just an extraordinary range of speeches over the years from Hattie McDaniel to Sidney Poitier to... Hannah Beekler winning for production design. So we'll be adding to that aspect of the gallery as well and doing that every year. But we're kicking off something super fun this year, a viewing party, you know, a night at the Academy Museum, Oscars night at the Academy Museum, where we're inviting folks to come and be together, folks who really love watching the show and usually do that in the comfort of their own homes. But now we, we can be a place where a community can gather to take in the show, for people to compare notes and predictions, and to feel as though they're a part of the ceremony and the celebration. And that'll be an annual event. Amazing. Bill, can you share with us some of the feedback that you've been getting at these early stages from visitors of the museum? I understand there's great interest and demand in the shop, and also you've got an amazing restaurant. So it's not just about the incredible exhibits and the programming, but they're also fun things that visitors should be aware of. Jacqueline and I always say this, we launched a museum, Cinetech with daily screenings, a store, a restaurant, a publications program, all at once, and they're all thriving. And we've been getting incredible feedback. Fanny's, our restaurant named for Fanny Bryce, is really doing well. People are coming, you know, separate from going to the museum as a standalone restaurant that has a great old Hollywood vibe. People are really enjoying engaging with the restaurant, which also includes artifacts from Fanny's family and her estate. So there's a great connectivity to our past in that space. Amazing food, beautiful room designed by Renzo, piano and commune. Our store has exceeded all expectations. There's usually a line of 
20 to 30 people waiting to get into the store, which I've only seen at sneaker shops. So this is really great to see. We have incredible merchandise, the best bookstore in Los Angeles, a, a bookstore tied to, to film and filmmaking items connected to our Miyazaki exhibition, a Spike Lee pop-up connected to the Spike Gallery, Amoeba Records has an incredible pop-up in our store selling vinyl, film soundtrack vinyl. So that's doing incredibly well. And I think people are, are very eager to come to the museum and have a multi-layered experience connected to seeing a movie, engaging with our gallery, shopping at the store, having a bite to eat at the restaurant at Fanny's. We want people to see this as a destination where you can bring the entire family and spend the day. And that's happening. And, and we could not be more thrilled. Now, you, you, you touched on a little earlier that you're going to be announcing some new programmatic additions in the weeks to come. Both of you want to comment on what you're most looking forward to? Oh, that's a tough way to put it. Oh, God. So, so <laughs> They're all amazing. They're all amazing. And they're all our, our, our babies in different ways. Um, but I have to say that I am thrilled about an exhibition we have coming up called Regeneration Black Cinema 1898 to 1971. And I actually started working with the museum as part of the advisory group for this exhibition, sort of working with Doris Berger, who is our vice president of curatorial affairs and Rhea Combs, who's now the director of curatorial affairs at the National Portrait Gallery. And this is gonna be an unprecedented exhibition looking at the artists and the styles and the politics of black filmmaking from the very beginnings of cinema. It's going to follow our landmark Hayao Miyazaki exhibition. So it's a large scale project. It will have a publication. We're doing a lot of educational programs related to it. We'll be doing a multi-month long screening series in relation to regeneration. And so it's an extraordinary opportunity for us, again, as we do with all of our work at the museum, to look back at an important historical period, but also always to think about how this is relevant to the contemporary moment. So when we think about the opportunities for Black filmmakers and filmmakers of color today, when we think about the ways that Black audiences have and have not seen themselves reflected on screen, these are the kinds of questions that we hope that visitors will bring to us and that this exhibition and its related programming you know, will address. And Bill, I know that you've collected a lot of visitor surveys. So reflecting on the feedback, have there been things that have surprised you, reactions or things that have just really warmed your heart that you'd like to share? I, I, it's been great to hear from visitors who I think are surprised by the diversity and the multiplicity of stories that they're seeing in our galleries, and they're seeing themselves reflected in our galleries and our programs. Um, and we, obviously it's a core part of our mission, but to have young people respond to that gives me great hope for the future of the cultural world, the arts world and filmmaking. And that means a lot to us. And that's one of the many reasons why we do what we do. But Catherine, it's been um, very heartwarming to get responses, you know, around a film like Real Women Have Curves, which is positioned next to Citizen Kane and is about the Latina experience in East LA. And people are now viewing that film at home. A very good friend of mine 
visited with her 14-year-old daughter, someone I went to high school with. And her daughter, you know, wanted to see real women have curves. And this was not a film that was on their radar before. And they loved it. And this is now a film that they will return to over and over again. And that meant the world to me. And that's that's why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, I'll just use this moment to thank you and Bloomberg for your incredible support of the museum. You helped to launch us. We have incredible digital extensions to our exhibitions and our programs, our website, our amazing app, an upcoming podcast series that will launch at the end of this month. So thank you for that. And we're so excited to announce our upcoming rotations at the end of this month. We want people to visit. We want people to come back if they've already visited. And we're excited to iterate and to continue to move forward. This feels like a new day for the Academy. And the response that we're getting from our audiences, I think, is really proving that there has long been a demand and a desire for a movie museum of this scale. So a lot more to come. Okay, good. Well, in keeping with the protocol of the Academy, I'd like to thank members of the Academy Museum (laughs) for joining us today. It's my moment. I don't have the Oscar, but thank you very much, Jacqueline and Bill. Good luck. Thanks for having us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Follow the Data. Many thanks to Bill Kramer and Jacqueline Stewart for joining us. Kindly note the views of the podcast guests are entirely their own and Bloomberg Philanthropies hasn't independently verified any of the statements made by this week's podcast guests. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to Follow the Data. This episode was created by Devin Alessio, Amy June, Sarah Washington-Gogan, Rebecca Carrero, Allison Crone, Ivy Lee, Amanda Mack, Ashley Stakowski, and Ryan Bell. To learn more about the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, please listen to the brand new Academy Museum podcast. The first season of the podcast, entitled And the Oscar Goes To, will take listeners behind the scenes of notable Oscar ceremonies. As our founder, Mike Bloomberg, says, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So until next time, keep following the data. I'm Catherine Oliver. Thanks for listening.